We are supported by Align Custom Footwear and Foot Care located in South Mississauga. They teach what has not been taught before. They show you how to master your unique biomechanics and only wear shoes that help correct your posture. But if you're thinking of your grandpa's clogs, think again. Align only offers the most fashionable footwear and carries brands like Ron White, Michael Kors, and Lacoste. With a boutique, clinic, and spa under one roof, Align is the definition of function meets fashion. Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out uh, this episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Christopher Ponell, and he is a fashion designer. He's also best known for his bridal and evening wear. I'm sure you guys have probably seen it around the city and definitely on Instagram. And he's also best known for doing the bridal party for uh, Keisha Kaor and Gucci Mane's wedding, which is so cool. I can't wait to hear about that story. Um, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so let's just jump right into everything. And sure. I want to know, like, where were you born and, oh, and grew okay. up? Yeah. So I was born here in Toronto and I grew up here in Toronto. Awesome. And I've lived here all my life. And yeah. <laughs> Excellent. What area of Toronto? So I was born in North York. Uh, I lived in Scarborough, but I went to school in North York. Um, I went to an art school. Okay. Yes. For, for elementary? Um, no, for high school. So elementary, I went to um, a school right behind my house in Scarborough. Um, but when it came time to, to go to high school, I didn't want to go to just a regular school because I felt like I needed more of an outlet. And okay. I was always very creative growing up, and I wanted to pursue some kind of creativity um, or some form in the art. So I, you know, I made the trek an hour each way every day oh in God, high school. Oh, my God, that's brave. Yeah. Especially in high school, because yeah. you barely want to, like, <laughs> go, period. Well, yeah. Well, well, I did start taking the TTC by myself when I was 12 years old. So I think I was in, like, grade 7 at the time. So, you okay. know, it wasn't quite a stretch for me to, you know, to just to yeah. venture out on my own. Good for you. And so when did the creative bug first sort of hit you? Like, how old were you? Um, probably, like, as far back as I can remember. I was always painting or creative, creating things oh, or drawing wow. or uh, doing a sculpture. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so since since like since very long time the beginning ago. of time yeah exactly um and did you have to uh audition for this art school i did so it's a school card called cardinal carter academy for the arts oh my and god i went to the non-arts cardinal carter did, oh in aurora yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because everybody that i talked to in the city yeah they're like oh the art school yeah, i'm like yeah. no just the, that's so just funny the basic and everyone i say everyone i tell that i went to cardinal carter they're like oh aurora, aurora. like no the other one that's so funny yeah. oh my god yeah so i did have to there was an audition process to get in and um yeah it was nerve-wracking. It was my very first audition when I was in grade 8 to get into grade 9. Um, and yeah, I got in. And what did you apply for at that So time? I applied for vocal music. So oh. I was a singer, I guess, um, throughout my high school career. Amazing. Um, yeah. Did you ever sing? Did you, were you, um, uh, like, did you ever go to church with your family growing up? Did you ever have choir experience? Yeah, I did go to church with my family growing up. And I was in the choir at my church um, for a time. Um, but then things sort of got busy throughout high school and it kind of stopped doing that yeah 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 totally um so okay so you did your audition and you got in yeah and uh so is it was it basically every single kid there did some sort of like arts major yeah so you have to choose an art to major in. so they had vocal music instrumental music visual arts theater or drama dance and i think that's it oh i don't want to forget anyone 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the standard yeah. sort of like, exactly. okay, cool. And, um, and then right away, were you like so excited? Like, did you think you were going to be a singer or did you want to be a singer? Well, I really was excited. I thought <laughs> at the time when I was, you know, 13 years old, 14 years old, um, getting accepted into the school, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a pop star. And I think reality hits you very quickly when you're surrounded um, by a like a million other students that can sing way better than you or have so much more talent than you. Um, but, you know, maybe in my first couple years at, at that school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I so, sort of went with the music thing, kept going with that, because I really did enjoy it and I loved it. And I loved the whole discipline of, like, having to sing every day and rehearse every other day and perform. Nice. Um, yeah. Did they make you perform every other day at your school? So we had vocal. So whatever your major was, you had that class every day. Oh, and then on nice. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we ended uh, school early at one thirty, And then we would uh, rehearse for an hour and a half to two hours in whatever art form that it is that you majored in. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. a, that's a So it was pretty perfect. intense. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And then if you had like a show coming up, then you would basically rehearse every day. For that. Wow. Yeah. What kind of music did you like growing up? Like what made oh, you Oh, growing start? up? Yeah. Oh, I really loved pop music and R&B. Um, probably my favorite song that I can remember when I was a child was True Colors by Cyndi Lauper. And oh. it wasn't even so... I mean, I love the song and I love her music, but it wasn't even so much about the music at the time. It was more about her because I gravitated towards her um, personally because I looked at her and I saw, I saw like a really creative person, someone like spiky hair, uh, always willing to try different colors and push the boundaries when it came to fashion. So I really like gravitated towards her for that reason. Nice. Yeah. That's such a classic song yeah. forever oh and ever God. as well. Like it's I don't even know song. how many people have covered it. Like Everybody. over 10 people. <laughs> yeah. It's probably more. Um, that's awesome. So you're kind of into like pop and whatnot. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're in high school. Like what, t- what type of, um, like high school experience did you have were you very focused on your singing or were you like how did you start to kind of get into the fashion um mm. direction of things good question so um for the first couple of years of high school um i was very focused on the singing as you had to be because that's what you know what yeah. all of us were there for um and i had a very good high school experience but um the first few years were a little bit of a challenge for me just because um, this was in the 90s and I was gay and so that was sort of like my internal struggle that I was going through on my right. own so the first few years they were great on the outside but like on the inside I was dealing with this thing and then I came out in grade 11 and then like my whole world opened up it was oh, like yay. the most amazing thing and like if you can imagine what glee the, the, like uh, being on glee was like but I had like the reality version of that right it was just such an accepting experience for me and wow yeah, that's it was amazing. amazing and great so what you said the, like the late 90s that's, yeah that was like I mean I can't even imagine even today what it would be like but yeah. like back like almost like 20 years ago yeah th- uh, yeah this year was my 20th anniversary 20th year anniversary congrats. Yes. oh yeah. my gosh I know I've been gay for a long time <laughs> <laughs> But that's so amazing, and I'm so happy to hear you say that because I've had even people on my podcast that have had uh, not a positive experience, yeah. um, and especially, and they have more so credited to it being that time, and yeah. it was just like not a yeah. thing at that time or whatever. No. So yeah, it was for, it was great. Sorry, I interrupted. No, you. no, no, yeah. that's fine. Um, and so, w- actually, can we talk a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I would that? love to talk more about that. Um, w- what was your sort of path? Did you start at home with your parents and then open up at school, or was it the opposite way, or friends um, first? It was the opposite way. So I wasn't sure how I would be accepted at home. Um, growing up, there was never really good or bad said about gay or uh, being gay or homosexuality, but I felt... Did, was there even dialogue about it at all? Not really. It was one of those things that 
didn't really get talked about. Like um, my parents and you know family friends, there were like gay people in their circle and in their group, like within the family or their family friends. But it wasn't really talked about. It was just like it is what it is. It's not a big deal, you know. Um, so, but um, yeah, because I was so young and I didn't really have a community to confide in, you know that. I could relate to as far as being gay went um, I had like my circle of friends to rely on so um, it took me a while to get there um, I came out to one of my best friends at like one of the last days of school in grade 11 um, and then from there there was a huge sense of re- release and like uh, weight lifted off my shoulders and then wow. the following year I basically just came out to everybody and a lot of people would say that I didn't even need to come out because it was so like obvious um, but just for myself I think I needed to do it for myself for and basically sure. admit it um, because I think you know as young, a young person you spend a lot of your time focusing on making other people happy mm-hmm. trying to you know make your parents proud or fit in with like the, whatever the norm no, is yeah. especially when you're a teenager and you're in high school and you're trying to fit into certain um, groups with yeah. friends. Um, and then, and you're also forced, you're basically told, like, listen, here are the groups. Yeah. Now find one. Basically, like, yeah. You know. Yeah, and, you know, at, in the mid to late 90s, it was sort of taboo to be um, an original person or be sort of your, your own person. You sort of just had to, like, fit into whatever group was popular at the time or trying to be popular and to do something off on your own was so like far-fetched whereas now I look at young people now and it's so amazing like everyone's um, being accepted at the time I was like dyeing my hair crazy colors and I was one of the only people that was doing that I was wearing like platform shoes in like grade 11 like no one was doing that okay Um, and but now I look at teenagers and it's amazing to see how diverse friend groups are now when I look at them mm-hmm. and at the time I used to get called names mm-hmm. left right and center all day long every day for like you know my whole high school career waiting for the bus waiting for the subway crossing the street wherever it was you know people would always stop and you know feel like they needed to shout something at me give their unsolicited exactly. opinion and um, the world has changed so much in 20 years um, it's so rare that anyone ever says anything negative to me now um, even around like groups of young people, you know, at the time when I was in high school, a lot of the, that, you know, that um, name calling came from other people my age, so like early teens or mid to late teens. And now when I'm sort of around other groups like that, I, it takes me back to my experience and I'm a little bit worried that someone's gonna call me out or whatever it is, but it never happens. I always get like compliments on my highlight or like yeah. your makeup's amazing, <laughs> like literally from grade, grade nine boys or grade 10 girls. But you know, if this was 20 years ago, that would ne- have never it, happened. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a beautiful thing too with like, you know, media, I know every, like social media gets like all the hate, but I think there's also a very amazing thing about it as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, back then in that, like you know mid to late 90s your school was like the extent of really your community like that was going to school would be the most people that you would be around in a day whereas now it's probably the smallest amount of people because then you'll go onto your online community and you have like all these different people from walk different walks of life and blah 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 so it's so beautiful that like over the last 20 years um that has like people's mindsets have progressed i think as well but it's also i think you know you can turn on the tv and you know watch a same-sex couple kiss and it's like regular life and you know or or go on online and like it's just a different thing so it's like 
thank goodness yeah. that, you know, that's You know, happened. like social media, as you say, um, you know, there is a huge community for people within the social media, like, platforms. And especially if I'm, I don't even know who watches TV anymore, but I watch a lot of YouTube. And I know a lot of, you know, young people, because I teach, I, you know, I get to interact with a lot of younger people that they all watch YouTube now, too. And a lot of the top YouTubers are people like Jeffree Star, mm -hmm. like these makeup influencers that look completely like alien unicorns that have this huge community and huge influence among basically anyone that watches YouTube. Anyone that has ever been on YouTube probably knows who Jeffree Star is. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's sort of like um, someone that I aspire to be on the business side of things just because I think he's a brilliant business person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like creative. so authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's just so being himself and, yeah. you know, he owns it. Yeah, exactly. Um, thank you for that. We yeah. uh, detoured a little bit over there. But yeah, no, I think that's like so powerful to even for other people just to hear other people's like stories. Mm -hmm. It just helps them not feel, you know, alone or oh, by themselves yeah. or, yeah. you know. Yeah, no one, and no one these days, I would say, is ever alone. Like there's so many resources out there now. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, great. So then you had that like amazing experience in grade 11 and then um, like approaching sort of grade 12, mm -hmm. were you like now starting to get into fashion or, yeah. or you already were expressive anyway because you were a fan of it, right? Yeah. So I was always very expressive, but when I went into my, my grade 12th year, I was much more expressive, especially when it came to like how I dressed. So I wore a uniform to school every day um, but then we would have like civvies days where you could wear whatever you wanted and I sort of like did my crazy your thing your crazy thing <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if your uniforms were because we wore uniforms too yeah. I wonder if they were identical to ours um, our colors were like blue and red okay no ours yeah, were okay. green and like okay. gold or something okay, okay yeah. so not <laughs> yeah. it was funny because when you were talking about platforms I was like <laughs> you know what I actually wore platforms every day but that's because I wore a kilt and yeah. like socks like yeah. a uniform right that's so funny yeah that's funny so, so yeah civvies days were like yeah, crazy. Days were crazy like yeah, Everyone because, was at the ball all yeah, week. Yeah, especially because we went to, I went to a creative school, so everyone was really creative, and a lot of people really went out there when it came to expressing themselves when it came to fashion nice. on those days that we were able to. Yeah, I know. They came so, like, few. And, I remember the Halloween civvies day always coming, and I, mm. I was like, I don't want to waste a civvies day in a costume. Like, I want to, like, because then the next one wasn't until, like, Christmas or something. I'm like, I want to yeah. wear, like, a legitimate outfit. outfit. That's so funny. <laughs> But, um, okay, cool. So, yeah, so then you, like, always just dressed up. Do you have, like, a favorite um, sort of outfit or something that you have From back wore? then? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you can even remember. Um, I used to, okay, so <laughs> I went through this phase. It's so ridiculous. I basically wore, like, a sleeveless shirt everywhere and anywhere I went, even if it was in the winter, like, on a civvies <laughs> day. Yeah, I would be, like, wearing, like, a tank top. I was, yeah. You just, like, yeah, loved I was just it. Like, yeah, it was just sort of this, this phase. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. It's kind of really, I could probably send you some photos. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see them. Yeah. Um, and then for uh, graduating and going to uh, post-secondary school, yeah. did you ever have pressure from your family to go to university, or was that something um, that... Did you go? I did. Well, okay. I went to college. I went okay. to Georgetown College for fashion design. Okay, perfect. And there was... I wouldn't say I felt pressure from my family. I think there was an expectation to, to do that. But looking back now, I don't recall ever feeling pressured or feeling like I would be disowned if I, you know, wanted to take a year off or take some time off and, you know, pursue something else. Um, but I did go to college, and it wasn't necessarily because my parents want me to it's because I wanted to um, and I wanted to pursue fashion so so when was sort of the switch from like uh, vocal to fashion yeah um, it was it probably happened in my final year so at the time we had OAC grade 13 right yeah I'm, I know I'm going way back <laughs> um, so it was in the final year of school and you know up until that point I was singing and I was enjoying it and I thought you know I was going to be like this huge pop star 
maybe I don't know like looking back I don't know if I actually believe that I would be but I didn't I know that I didn't believe that I was good enough to be like mm, okay. uh, a singer like I'm okay in a group but as a soloist I you know I don't think I have that um, so I went back to something that I really loved which was fashion and creativity and so when it came time to apply to university and college that's what I you know what I uh, applied for on my application forms and was it fashion design it was fashion design yeah okay. so I applied to like basically all the fashion programs that were in Toronto at the time and I got into all of them except for Ryerson I got waitlisted but I saw that as a blessing in disguise because at the time when I was graduating from high school after five years of being in school I didn't I wasn't mentally prepared to take on like another four years mm-hmm. so I did the two-year program at George Brown and you know it was an amazing experience a really good uh, really great program and I'm really happy with that path that I went down yeah and why not just get it done in half yeah, the time exactly yeah <laughs> half the price half the time yeah exactly yeah. and I feel like I mean I've talked to a lot of designers who did go to Ryerson and yeah. some that have gone to other schools and mm-hmm. I, I feel like yes yeah, sometimes like college is just a lot more like hands-on blah, 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 yeah. and like, here you go. It's very technical. Yeah. And I, you know, I know people that went to Ryerson, and it's it's not so much about the education, but it's about what you take from it and how you apply it into, yeah. you know, your real life, your whatever situation that you're Totally. In. Yeah. So did you have to provide a portfolio to get into George Brown? I did, yeah. So did you have, like, did you have any sewing experience? or like So that year, that my final year of high school, um, I had already known how to use my sewing machine at home. So my mom had a sewing machine. Okay, perfect. And um, growing up, I used to watch my grandmother make her own clothes. Oh. Yeah, so I guess that's where it all starts from or stems from. My grandmother used to make her own patterns and make her own clothing. Oh, um, nice. So I used to watch her doing that when I was a child. Um, so when I had to make my portfolio, I already knew how to use my sew- the sewing machine that we had, but my mom gave me a few pointers here and there. Um, and yeah, so I think I made like two messenger bags, like three pairs of pants, like a denim oh, jacket. I made a bunch of things. Nice. Yeah. That messenger bag, that's like hard, like out of like a leather or a different material? Because um, that's hard uh, to I, do. I did a denim one and like a canvas one. Nice. Yeah. I knew you were going to say denim for some reason. I did don't you? know why. Are yeah. you I, I think so. <laughs> I feel like that's just your style though. And I know uh, about your, like I know about your style because I've yeah, like been yeah. to your shows and stuff. So I feel like that yeah. was maybe, but the, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, and so then, okay, so then they accepted you, and, yeah, then, so I got uh, and then the journey begins. Yeah, the journey began, and um, it was really cool, like, being able to take what was, you know, in my imagination or in my mind and actually execute it was, I don't know, I think it was sort of one of those, like, moments where you you have this kind of, like, sense of pride where it's like, wow, I had an idea, and now I've been able to execute it and make it, and, you know, it's kind of wearable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So what, um, did you have to do, uh, like, a, a first collection at all during your time at George Brown, or? So, um, no, we didn't have to do a first collection, but um, at the end of the year, there was a fashion show that, I can't, I'm trying to remember, if we if it was mandatory that we had to participate, or if it was an optional thing. Um, I, I think we had to do two outfits for that show that year, and then the final year, I think I did, like, five outfits. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I think that's going way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then how, uh, where did sort of the bridal and evening wear mm. thing come in? Because I yeah. feel like a lot of people um, and a lot of talented designers, like like you said, if you can m- make a pattern, you can kind of really make anything and yeah. you've made other things. Yeah. So did you just gravitate more towards well, evening wear? Yeah. Well, not right at first. So when I graduated from school, my first job was working for a costume place. So I worked for a dance costume company. Okay. Um, so I worked directly with um, dance studios and like the dance studio owners and we would uh, uh, create or design the 
the pieces that their students would uh, compete in. So I did that for three years. Um, so f at that job, I learned how to you know really uh, make a really good pattern, really hone my skills in pattern making um, and design, and interact with other people and learn more about like different textiles that we can work with, especially when it comes to dance because it's everything needs to stretch. Yeah. So that was like one side of the, my experience where I got to learn, work with a lot of knitwear and stretch and interact with the, the client directly. So I did that for three years and then from there I worked for a bridal gown designer for two years. And it was during that time I saw what she was doing and what she was able to do and um, create for her clients, which was pretty amazing because a lot of women, they grow up um, dreaming about this big day mm -hmm. and to be part of that is quite special so during that time um, was when I realized I really wanted to pursue something in bridal um, yes. but I didn't do that right away I wanted to get some more experience so after working for this designer I worked um, in un uniforms for two years oh okay yeah so like school uniforms or no, work so uniforms? clean wear uniforms oh. so it's more like lab coats um, coveralls for like um laboratories, clean room facilities, like NASA stuff. We did like stuff for NASA, that type of wow, thing. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And this was just at like, I guess, a, was it like a kind of like a white label situation? Like where you worked at a head office or like? No, no. We had a facility in Scarborough. So we had this like, I don't know, maybe like 30,000 foot warehouse or maybe even bigger. Um, so I worked out of there. I had my own little office. It was really cute. Oh. I was like, wow, I have an office job. Uh, not really <laughs> but, an office job. But you're like a fashion designer, office. which is Yeah, crazy. exactly. But everything was done on the computer. So um, all the patterns and the markers were made on computer. Then they would get printed off and then sent to the back room for cutting. And then we had like 30 sewers that would just like produce all of the uniforms for these these laboratories nice okay yeah. so these these laboratories obviously would like contact um your company yeah and then like just okay that's so cool yeah. so and then um did you feel well-rounded at that time i did so that was um now we're going into two that 2010 okay. um, so i wanted to get as much experience as possible within different areas in fashion um, right. more on the technical and creative side um and at that point i'd had seven years under my belt so i felt like you know maybe we should take another step. And that's when I started the, the bridal business with my business partner, Chala. Nice. Um, yes, and now we're approaching our 10-year anniversary, April 20, uh, 2020. Oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And your uh, stuff is like to die for. Oh, thank you. And I feel like also it's very... Um, like it's it's well rounded. Like Thanks. like I don't know the things that I've seen. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you have this like traditional you know ball gown, and then I've seen something very like sleek and modern. Yeah. So what was your so was your first collection ever uh, bridal? Yeah. So my first collection ever was bridal. Um, I did I think a ten gown collection, um, basically using remnants from the designer that I was working for. Um, you know, back in 2006 to 2008. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I'd have to show you photos. There's actually, when I look back now at my collection, I would never think that I made everything out of remnants because I had like 10 gowns. Wow. But everything I, I made was from scraps because I had no money at the time. And, right. You know, silk is expensive and... Yeah. yeah. So you were just grabbing anything you could. Like, yeah. are you done with this? Are you going to throw this yeah, out? Basically. Oh my God, yeah. good for you. And it sort of worked out because we were moving from one building to another. So she was purging a lot of stuff. Oh, good. So um, I did end up buying a, some small rolls, but, you know, maybe two yards here, three yards there. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Great. Yeah. And then, like, did you know, like, 2010, this is still pre-Instagram. Did you know, like, how you were going to sell these gowns? Did you do a, a fashion show? I did do a fashion show. So um, as far as selling goes, I don't know if 
back then I had a business mindset. I knew I just wanted to create a collection that I could put on display or showcase to a commu- uh, an audience. So I did Fashion Art Toronto. Okay. And at the time it was called Toronto um, Fashion Alternative Fashion Week. Toronto Alternative Fashion Week. Okay. So it was different from what it is now, but um, still led by uh, Vanya. I'm not sure if you know who she is, but I think she's her title is Executive Director of uh, Fashion Art Toronto. Nice. Um, yeah, and I did the show. It was actually in 2009 before I started my business. Um, yeah, and it was actually pretty cool because I remember I went back to my office the next day and I typed in my name. I Googled my name to see if there was like, if I would be Googleable at the time. So this was back in 2009. And there were like, you know, a few tweets about me. I think there was like a small little article about me. Um, so that was an exciting time, actually. You're <laughs> I was like, like yeah, wow, I'm Google. I made it. <laughs> yeah. I made waves. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> I'm big time. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Um, so then did you end up selling any of those gowns? So no, so like the, the purpose of the show for me was not to sell the gowns, right. um, but it was more just to let people know that I'm here, here this is I what am. I can do. And from there I did uh, one of the bridal shows here in Toronto, I think it's the National Bridal Show or the Canada's Bridal Show at the convention center. Right. Um, so this was a few months after doing um, Alternative Fashion or Fashion Art Toronto. Um, and I got a few custom clients from there. Oh, nice. Um, and from there, you know, people will refer and like recommend you to their friends and their family. Right. So you were you were on like more of a custom basis at yeah. that time. Yeah. Yes. I guess you kind of have to be because how can you really like even buying, you know, dresses off the rack yeah. still have to be altered. Oh, for sure. So it's like Yeah, and I, I didn't even understand how like the wholesale side of the business worked. Like I knew nothing about selling. Like I had no idea about retail. Like I used to work retail when I was in school, but you know, from the buying side, I and like the business side and all the numbers, I I didn't know anything about that. Right. Yeah. So did you, what was like, after getting a little bit of that traction and like those custom clients, did you feel like, okay, I want to get more (laughs) business experience Mm -hmm. or did you have like even a direction of uh, where you wanted to go or were you just kind of like, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing? So it's a little bit of both. Um, I sort of had an idea of where I wanted to go. Um, Say Yes to the Dress was sort of starting to become a big thing on TLC. Everyone was starting to watch Say Yes to the Dress. Kleinfeld, people were getting more familiar with that name. Um, So after doing the bridal show, I did a lot of custom um, clients. But even prior to that, I was doing like prom dresses for girls, you know, in like my own circle of friends, like my cousin's friends, that sort of thing. So I was doing custom stuff prior to the bridal stuff, but mostly like prom and evening and, you know, someone would be going to a wedding, I'd make them a dress as a guest at a wedding. Um, So I had a little bit of like clientele, like a little bit of a client base before starting the business. Um, But even when I did start doing um, bridal, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I knew that I wanted to do bridal and I wanted to be part of that fantasy that, you know, people dream of. Um, Yeah, but yeah, like I think in our first year, Chal and I, we sort of like called basically every bridal store in Toronto and the GTA just to see if we can get a meeting with them and show them our collection. And that was really um, difficult, I'd say, especially as uh, an unknown uh, name or an emerging uh, designer. A lot of people um, will say they're interested in meeting you, but they won't return your emails or your phone calls. <laughs> you know, I think this is a story of um, every like young entrepreneur. entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my experience back in like 2010. Um, so we sort of just, you know, continued to do the custom thing and spread the word about that. We did a few more bridal shows and would get more clients that way. Um, but then Kleinfeld came to Canada, and that's when we did our actual like first wholesale buy with um, like a bridal boutique, a bridal retailer. Yeah. Congrats. I didn't Thanks. even realize you were in Kleinfeld. Yes. So um, tell me about that experience. So that was pretty surreal because, um, so we, 
I met Evelyn Reynolds, who at the time was a senior vice president of merchandising, I think, at um, HBC. Okay. So she's one of my mentors through the Toronto Fashion Incubator. Okay. Um, yeah, so we had a studio at the Toronto Fashion Incubator from 2010 to 2015. And yeah. Oh, I was, you know what, that's where, I actually, I'm still a member now, but that's when I was like off in there. I feel ah. like I would have definitely bumped into you. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, so like, as you know, um, there is like a list of resources and mm-hmm. mentors that um, the you outreach members and the yeah. designers have access to. So Evelyn Reynolds, who at the time was with, with HBC, uh, we met with her for some mentorship, uh, mentorship and guidance, and she told us she was working on a project that she wasn't allowed to talk about because everything was very like hush hush and NDA. So she's like, reach back, reach out uh, to me in like eight months or whatever it is. So I think this was over the summer. I think it was maybe like July or August that we met with her. And then I was working in the studio one day at TFI, and I heard on the radio that Kleinfeld was coming to town. So then the next day we sent Evelyn an email and. Um, she said that that was a project that she was working on bringing into HBC, um, bringing Kleinfeld from the U.S. to Canada, and that she would be interested in meeting with us again to, um, you know, explore working with us as a vendor for Kleinfeld when they came to Canada. So, um, you know, through that, one le- one thing led to another. We designed a collection. They liked it, and they purchased a bunch of our gowns, uh, samples for the store, and then from there, we've been working with them since. Amazing. Yeah. And are you in any of the U.S. ones, or just no, the Canada? just okay. Canada. I guess it's like there, there's like different rules and whatnot. Uh, that mm-hmm. That's so amazing. So I can go into Kleinfeld's right now and see your dresses there. Yeah. That's right. awesome. Congrats. Um, so, and then now, yeah, you said that they've been working. So are you ex- sort of exclusive with them, and then you have your custom so, stuff? So, um, the styles that we have with them um, are exclusive within like, I don't know, 25-something kilometer radius, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. So yeah. then it kind of... Yeah, occurs. because we don't want to compete with any other retailers, you know, right. that might carry our, our, our collection. Exactly. So if somebody um, wants to purchase mm-hmm. one of those, like, mm-hmm. do you just send them there? It's, I guess, easier, right? Yeah. So Versus- if it's a style that they carry and a, someone, we get an inquiry about that specific style, then we'll refer them we'll send them to Kleinfeld, but if it's another style that they don't carry, um, then we'll invite them to our studio. Okay, nice. Yeah. So we do a lot of direct with um, uh, customers from our studio. Amazing. Yeah. And um, what, when did you do your first Toronto Fashion Week? My first Toronto Fashion Week was March 2016. Oh, okay. So three years, three years ago. ago. Um, and how was that experience? So that was crazy. Um, that I was always really like crazy. to ask designers that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'd been to Fashion Week a number of times leading up to, to our show. I, I sort of knew what to expect, I guess, from the spectator side of things. But, you know, being in it, it was is a completely other thing because so many things um, need to get done prior to a show, like all the planning, the guest list, P, uh, PR, promotion, um, as, as well as, like, creating the collection. Um, so leading up to the show was pretty intense. A lot of sleepless nights and, you know, working 24-7 to get our pieces done. And um, I wasn't sure if we'd be able to fill the room. I think at the time there were like 800 seats um, at the oh, tent shit. at David Pico. And I think we had like a 1,000 people attend. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was it was actually really insane because I didn't know how many people were going to be at the show. But then um, I walked out onto the runway and like there wasn't even any standing room. Like every spot 
available like within the seats and the stairs were like completely blocked off wow. and you could you could feel the energy it was like static in the air it was really crazy was that's really amazing yeah. wow i didn't realize there was 800 seats at, at the David time Pico. yeah that's that, crazy yeah, yeah it's that not tent, like that anymore yeah. but no it's not it's not like that anymore. i feel like i may have even went i can't remember 2016 the shows that i went to but it was I mean, possible I could check that i was your, there if your name was on the list uh, I, <laughs> I have the list uh, nice. yeah, yeah. And then, oh my God, that's amazing. So then were you kind of just like hooked? Did you do it every year since? No, I didn't do it every year. Um, So I think um, what a lot of people don't realize with Fashion Weeks is that it's not always or necessarily a sales event. And in order to run a business, you need sales. You need the cash flow. So, you know, that was really good for us. For us going into it, we knew that it was going to be, you know, a marketing expense. It was going to come out of our marketing budget. This was more um, to... um, give us more uh, credibility. And exposure. Exactly. Exposure, credibility, market ourselves. Um, And we weren't expecting sales to come from it. Um, So the sales started coming when we started doing trade shows. Nice. And, you know, um, trade shows is one way to get sales, and that's how we've uh, acquired all of our uh, retail accounts that we have now. Um, You know, but there's so much more, so many more ways to do it now, especially with social media and online and the internet. but that's that was like our path that we took. Amazing yeah, doing trade shows in the U.S. and uh, most recently China. Amazing! Yeah. Congrats! Thanks. Um, I have to ask about the wedding party for oh, yeah. Gucci okay. Mane, and sure. yeah. So how did that come about? <laughs> okay, so that was crazy. So okay, so our first trade show we did was in April 2017 in New York. It was called the Knot Bridal Show. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Knot magazine. It's this huge wedding magazine. Oh okay. Um, in the oh K N O T. I was thinking yeah, like the Knot, and I'm like the no, non bridal no, no. show, but it's a no, bridal the show. Not. That's yeah. so confusing. And there's actually a podcast um, that the owners were on about their story about how the knot became the knot you should give it a listen it's really inspiring really amazing so yeah so that was our first trade show that we did um and we went in there you know keeping our expectations low because as designers we're always told that you're probably not going to get any sales from your first show but we secured two accounts which was amazing oh wow so we more than broke even at the show and these things cost money so we were really happy about that um so one of the retailers that we met they didn't buy from us at the time but one of them that we met was from Charleston um, South West Virginia oh I thought we were going to say South Carolina no yeah I think it's West, West Virginia okay. um, so her name is Belle and she owned a store she still owns a store called Belle's Boutique, Belle Boutique. Um, so we met her we had a really great rapport she loved um, our aesthetic she loved that we had a black model in our show, in our booth at the show because on this at this show four stories of vendors designers we, we were the only designer or vendor that had a black model. That's which was insane. crazy to me in New York City. We were the only designers with a black model, which, in, you know, especially in 2017. In yeah, like, yeah, that's I, crazy. It was insane. It was insane to me that, you know, no one else had a black model. Yeah, So, um, and I, if I'm able to make a difference or inspire other people to show diversity like in the world I want to be that person because it's so important especially as a person of color myself Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that there is representation out there if you are in a position to you know make it seen to other people a thousand percent so you know I wanted to have uh, an ethnic model or a black model or someone that was kind of a quote-unquote a minority or from a minority right. group because also I think in Toronto I think that's more expected yeah of people of influence mm-hmm. where it's not in the states yeah that's that could be it too and like not to take away from what you did that's sure. like very important but do you mm-hmm. know what I mean like yeah. it would it almost would be like 
like if like I could picture here it being like you know one person like the one person that didn't have any diversity would be like, like why hello. not yeah. like what's and wrong they with you get, they get that kind of feedback yeah that backlash yeah right whereas like you know the, for it to be the opposite as recent as two years ago like yeah. that's just insane yeah and also like with bridal you can pick up any bridal ma- magazine like even from like two years ago and maybe there's like two or three black girls in a magazine with like two or three hundred pages in it which yeah, is that's crazy, crazy to me whole- and also too like that like black and white that's only two yeah. of however exactly. many like what about yeah. like indian and yeah, asian, like asian and yeah. you know yeah so i, I just want to backtrack a Sorry. little bit to toronto fashion week. yes um so when we were casting our show for toronto fashion week i wanted to make sure that we had um half ethnic groups and half for whoever like right. you know so i made sure that we had black we had indian we had asian and then we had you know caucasian girls as well right yeah because i wanted to make sure that um we were representing as many ethnic ethnicities as possible in our in our fashion show great and also that's like an accurate representation of the city of totally. toronto yeah. too right i even like, tried to get a trans girl but um oh. she her mother declined because she was in high school and she couldn't get to time off school mm. and that sort of thing but you know i want to put it out there that i did try to get that yeah try to get you that's know awesome. someone to represent the trans community as well that's awesome um so yeah so in new york i met Belle. Um, owner of Bell Boutique in West Virginia, and we had a you know nice relationship. She loved what we were doing. She loved our aesthetic, our vibe, and us as people as well. Um, but she didn't purchase that time. So fast forward to September of 2017, that same year, five months later, we were doing Chicago Bridal Market, and I ran into Bell, and it was sort of like a blessing in disguise because I didn't know she was going to be there. She didn't know we were going to be there. Mm. And we sort of just like reconnected. It was really nice and nice little reunion. And later on that day, she was like, um, I have a project that I'm working on. It's happening next month in October, October 17th. And um, this was also during the time of the, there were, uh, I can't remember which hurricane it was, but the hurricanes were sort of hitting like all the southern states and there was like a lot of flooding. And um, I want to say it's Hurricane I don't know. I'd have that to. sounds about right. Yeah. 2017. You can uh, go back and research. Um, Belle was, was saying she was hired to style Gucci Mane's wedding. Okay. So she was hired to secure like the designers to produce all the garments for that wedding. And um, leading up to the actual wedding day, the designer that was hired to do the, the bridal party stopped responding to emails and stopped answering phone what? because she was affected by the hurricane. Oh, so shit. Okay. at the time, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on either because they just knew that she she was living in a city where, you know, there was like a lot of a disaster um, because of the hurricane. So at the last minute, three weeks prior to the wedding, this I remember it was September 28th. We were in Chicago and we had a private meeting after our show. It was like midnight at her hotel, at Belle's hotel with her team. And she's like, okay, so we're doing this wedding. I'm not allowed to disclose who it's for, but it's a celebrity wedding. Um, and I'm like, okay. And um, we won't tell anyone. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, eventually she did say it was for Gucci Mane. Um, and, you know, he's this huge trap artist. Anyone that follows hip hop trap would know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and um, she asked if we would be interested in doing it. Um, and the whole wedding was being documented by BET for their show called The Main Event. Um, so there was a lot of discussion and negotiation that we had to go through in order to secure us as the designers for the show. So after like five days of negotiating uh, the contract and all of this, it's now October. The wedding's happening October 17th. Oh my God. We haven't ordered any fabric because we didn't want to like put forward 
any of the the funds right because we didn't know if this if was going to fall guaranteed. through exactly. so we had to wait till the contract was negotiated and signed on both sides and because <laughs> it's like such a short lead time we needed to get compensated for the full thing right up front so you know until then we weren't going to be starting any work right um so that being said and done we negotiated everything was great um we ordered the fabric and then we were only left with five days to produce no. the seven gowns <laughs> i am so yeah. stressed just listening to yeah this so story. oh my god <laughs> reliving this is really stressful because at the time it was so <laughs> surreal i barely slept i didn't right. know what we were gonna do you know we're still a small team of people and we had other orders on the go as right, well right um so now we had to drop everything to produce these seven custom basically wedding gowns because she and did wanted... you have measurements already or did you yeah. have to do that okay. so we like during the negotiations we had to get the measurements so like each one of the girls uh, would send us in their measurements but then i'd be like oh my god is this right because some of the proportions were insane yeah because you know you know a lot of people um you know they make changes to their bodies these days yes so some of the measurements just sounded crazy to me right but they were the actual they were actually yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. i was like this doesn't sound right yeah this... it was like a 23 inch waist yeah but, exactly yeah, yeah. And then like uh, but yeah, lo and behold, inches. exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm like this does not sound right to me. So, you know, I just I went with it. I made the dresses. We made the dresses as a team, and um, I think so. Okay, let me backtrack. I'm going getting a little bit. No problem. Hurt. I'm yeah. asking you questions too, and I'm yeah. also stressing. Out so for the you. wedding took place on a Tuesday. I think it was October 17th of 2017, and we flew to Miami Saturday morning, a day after we received our fabric for the order. So we had started the dresses. <laughs> so you made them in Miami? We made them all in Miami. Oh so we rented God. a house in Miami, like an Airbnb, like close to Ocean Drive. Close to Ocean Drive. I didn't even see the beach once when we were there for five days because we were so busy. We were locked in the house. We flew some sewing machines down. We flew some of our team down to help us because there's no way that I'd be able to make seven dresses on my own oh my God. in that time frame. So we even hired people from Miami to help us. Um, one of my really good friends, Gonzalo, who's a designer in Miami that I met only a couple months before that at another trade show, was like, yeah, you can like work out of my studio. Um, I have a lot of orders to do too but you can set up your machines and you can work out of this room so we worked out of his studio for like a day and a half and then we weren't able to continue using his space so we had to set everything up in the airbnb and we <laughs> you know it was all hands on deck it's like i don't know one two three four i think there were six or seven of us working on the machines around this dining table Oh in my God. South Beach in an air rented Airbnb. And did you have time to do fittings with these girls? Yeah, we had to. You, you we had yeah, to. So like... we landed on Saturday morning. We were late for our fitting. We did our fitting on camera, um, like the afternoon and evening of that Saturday that we were there. And that was insane, so stressful. <laughs> Especially because we barely had anything to show them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's being filmed for television so of and course BET, they want to inject like drama a, a rather large yeah, yeah and they want a huge platform and so, they want to inject and they want to yes. inject drama so you know there was a lot of pressure and i'm really good with pressure i don't really show anything on my face especially nice. if i'm feeling stressed so everyone was like aren't you stressed out and i'm like nope uh, not <laughs> yeah. at all but inside well, in i'm fact, like dying you're like <laughs> yeah i'm like dying on the inside and um i'm like can we like hurry this up we've been here for six hours we need to get back to work yeah um so yeah we did the fittings everything was fine and i wanted to do another fitting the following day so we made that work and one of the girls was also on tour so she was not able to do her fitting until sunday oh my god and thank god like the dress fit her perfectly we just had to finish it oh thank Um, god yeah so and was sorry were these gowns like 
all completely different or were some of them sort so, of similar? And like, what color were they? I'm okay, just so curious so, of all this. Um, five of the gowns were exactly the same. Oh, thank but God. But all of their bodies were different. Oh, shit. Okay, and then so. the, um, Keisha's mother, um, hers was slightly different. And then the um, the junior bridesmaid basically had a, a wedding dress on her own. Okay. So there were like three styles of gowns, seven gowns total, like all custom that we had to do within a weekend. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. And stressful. And then one of the girls that was sewing for me at the time, she had to fly back to Toronto on like Monday. So we were like down one person, oh, and we're like, "Oh my god!" It was crazy, and I was also sick. No, yeah. So I think from the stress of like doing a trade show right before, so I skip over a few things. So we did the Chicago bridal market, then the week after we did New York bridal market, and then we did oh the wedding god. right after. So it was like from Chicago to New York to Toronto to Miami, just like yeah, so, yeah. yeah just like being overworked. I think it was just like oh, being overexhausted, and you know, you're flying a lot, you're susceptible to like germs and yeah. whatever it is. On and you're not getting good sleep. Exactly, and, and then you're like. Just got this thing like looming over you about. Oh my like, god! It's gonna be on TV. You can't fail. Yeah, yeah. So what? What was like the wedding day like? Did they? Did you bring all the dresses to like the yeah. girls? So I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> the night leading up to the to the wedding, and we said we would drop the morning the wedding the gowns off. I think at eight or nine in the morning. Um, so we dropped them off. Keisha was very happy. Oh good. Um, she herself was feeling under the weather. I oh think no. She, I think the stress was getting to her as well. Um, so we dropped everything off. She was in her room. Um, she was very happy. Um, and we left, and there was nothing that we could do. Right. It was like just out of your hands. Yeah, it was out of our hands at that time. Um, so I think I got back to the Airbnb at like 10. I think I had an hour nap, and um, all the guests had to wear white, and I didn't have a white outfit. <laughs> so I got up, <laughs> went down to, I don't even remember, to the strip like on South Beach to f- try to find a white outfit. I'm like, hey, this is Miami. I'll be able to find white. Yeah, I'm easily. like, oh my God, no. I like, Maybe 10 stores later, I found, like, white pants. Stop. So, and then while we were shopping, we got a call from Joy, Keisha's mom, that's like, all the buttons are coming off my dress, my sleeves are too short. So we had to, like, finish shopping, go back to the Airbnb, and I don't think I'd been sh- I'd showered yet, so I had to, like, shower real quick, get ready. I didn't even do my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, this is TV, I need to wear makeup. So we made it to their hotel with, like, our sewing kits, and whatever we needed to to fix whatever these potential problems were. So we got to the hotel. I did my makeup so quickly in the in the hallway while the cameras were setting up the shot. And then we entered. We um, addressed whatever the issues were. And then we just, like, did everything by hand on the spot. Oh, my Like, God. with basically minutes to spare before the girls had to put the dresses on. It was insane. Oh, my like God. Like, nonstop insanity the whole time. I feel like at that point, after shopping, didn't, wouldn't it have been easier for you to just make yourself some white something, oh like God. some white outfit, or I you just I, couldn't sew anymore? Like, where would I get fabric? Right, yeah, right, like, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, and yeah, I was just so exhausted, so. So you're like, I just need I to just, buy something. I just need to buy something, even if it's ill-fitting, as long as it's white, whatever. Whatever. I'm not the focus of the sweating anyway. Exactly. I just need to be in all white. Yeah. Yeah. And did you end up finding something that was, like, Yeah, de- so decent? I found a pair of, like, white... I don't remember, like white chinos, and I just found like this basic white button down, I think from Zara. Oh, whatever, perfect. And yeah, and I had silver shoes. Oh, okay. Um, so that worked. Perfect. Um, I didn't have time to contour my face, so I'm very flat on camera. If you ever, <laughs> if you go back and watch the episode, I'm very flat. Um, but the dresses looked really great. They looked amazing, and I'm so happy that they looked the way they did on camera because yeah. there's nothing anyone can say about you know the fit or like the finishes it all fit amazingly Good. the finishes looked great there weren't any threads hanging 
So, you know. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm happy about I that. I want to go Google that, like, ASAP. Yeah. I want to see what you did. Yeah, it was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm literally just The whole thing was got, so surreal. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Like, I just got so stressed. When you just gave me those numbers, like, yeah. it was, like, five days leading up, blah, 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 like, seven yeah. gowns. I'm like, I can't breathe. Yeah. Like, I would die. And we didn't get the, the fabric until, like, the five days before, before the Before, yeah, yeah. That's insane. Because things get held up at customs sometimes. Right. And, you know, you were, like, on the phone for hours, like, okay, where's this package? Why isn't it being delivered? Okay, yeah. we need to pay what? Okay, let's just pay it. Oh, yeah. my God. So, Everything worked out. I think everything happens for a reason. Yes. And I think that was uh, like a test yeah. of, you know, maybe future things to come. And every time I'm feeling stress, I always think back on that. Like, if I can make it through that, if you can I can do make that. it through anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that was, if anything, a test for yourself, too, yeah. to yeah. like, you know. And I've always been stuff. really good with stress and pressure. And um, But that was like, that was like insane. insane. That was like something else. That's oh my yeah, god, yeah. and so and the they were both happy yeah. with your work. So then Everyone that's all that. Yeah, yeah, I guess at the end of the day yeah. matters. Yeah, and at, once you know all the girls were dressed, we went down to the lobby where everyone was, and the the whole thing was just surreal because you had like all these celebrities walking through the lobby of the hotel, and right. some of them I didn't even register who they were because you know you take someone out of context, it doesn't click right away. Exactly. Um, yeah. But then like I go back, I'm like, oh my god, that was Big Sean, that was um, Puff Daddy, you know? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Was, was it a insane. fun wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So we weren't actually invited to the actual wedding, but we were there for the cocktail reception, the oh, little nice. ceremony um, before the um, the actual reception. Nice. And that was a lot of fun. You get to schmooze with some people, take some fun photos. Yeah. Some of the housewives from Atlanta. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, very surreal moment. I met Monica from, um, do you know Monica Brown, singer, R&B singer from the 90s? Oh, Same okay. Brandy so and Monica. Do you know what? Mine. Right when you said Monica, yeah. that is the first person who I thought of, but yeah. I was like, no, I don't know if he's talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. So I would have died. Boy I grew is up mine. listening to Monica. Oh, oh my God. Same. I grew up listening to Monica and like I was a big R&B fan in the 90s. Like, same. Ask me any, my, my favorite genre, it's probably like 90s R&B. So to meet her was like, crazy yeah insane that was like probably one of the most memorable things that happened to me that weekend nice yeah because she was so nice and she looked amazing yeah oh my god i love brandy and monica so do I. and like <laughs> yeah. sitting on top of the world oh and that's god, brandy but go. like that's like yeah, yeah. all my music yeah too. with I mace, love it. Brandy yes. and mace yeah oh my gosh that's insane that's awesome yeah. what a great story yeah thanks um, and so sort of leading up to today, so that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, what do you have going on sort of this year now? Yeah. So um, I'm working, well, I have something that I'm not really allowed to talk about yet, but there's a fun little project that um, is coming up in the spring. Excellent. Um, and, you know, we're focused on just continuing to build the brand, um, uh, build our sales. Every year our sales are growing, which is great. We Excellent. have, I think... 16 retail accounts. Oh, great. Which is great. Um, yeah, so Canada, US, South Korea, and China. Great. Um, and we do a lot of custom direct from our from our studio. Um, but I think what we really want to focus on, in addition to all of that, this coming year is um, really building our online presence and having an online store and selling uh, pieces that might be, uh, that would be more accessible to a larger audience. So, nice. you know, not 3,000 plus gowns, but, you know, Something yeah. that's, you know, with a smaller price tag, maybe 300 400 that nice. sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, and everybody needs, like, a cute little cocktail oh, totally. dress. Yeah, which exactly. Is, like, and they're hard to find, to be honest with I you. I get like, that feedback all the time. They, they really are. And, yeah. you know, I'm a t- I'm the per- type of person where, like, I'll make anything work. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm obviously picky, but, like, yeah. I could see something. And creative. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I can style it the way that I totally. want to make it mine. And, like, yeah. I was even just shopping for a dress for a wedding this past summer. Okay. And... 
I'm not joking. I looked on like seven sites. Mm-hmm. Really? Like through hundreds of pages, hundreds. Interesting. And I'm like, I don't want any of these things. I went wow. shopping physically, like in real life to like yeah. different places. I ended up you wearing th- something I had already owned yeah. and wore like three years ago because yeah. I knew it fit me well. I couldn't believe how hard it was. And yeah. I was like, the only thing that I was like, like rule I had was like, I don't want to necessarily wear black. This wedding was in the middle of July. Okay, yeah. Like, I will if that's what I find. But, sure. like, even in... Na- I ended up wearing navy blue, which basically looks black in, like, so many photos. But, yeah. like, I just want to do some sort of, like, yeah, something. Yeah, want to have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I couldn't believe how tough it was to find I something. get that feedback a lot from, from our clients. They're like, I cannot find a gown that I... Can- to wear to the scala, like I'll go to a store, they'll have like three options and yeah. I don't like any of them. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I hear that all the time. And then you don't want to like be forced, like, you know, I don't want to dress like plain all the time. Yeah. So there's there's a, a, a yeah, ton of place for like, yeah. yeah. And that's what I was kind of finding. Like I'd pl- find like a plain black, like strapless dress. Yeah. Okay, great. Like that would work, but yeah. it doesn't really reflect what I want. Exactly. I'm going for my yeah. personality. Like you want something beautiful, creative, yeah. colorful, yeah. but then and like it's that just not out, out there yeah yeah it brings out who you are so that's great yeah um and i wanted to ask you you have a you for change event coming up right yes so okay, tell um, me about that. the talk which is coming up on november 19th i'm one of the panelists um along with barry averich sabrina meadow and amanda paris um a really amazing panel of entrepreneurs and we're going to be talking about you know the transparency um you know along our journey to achieve the successes that we've achieved and our accomplishments. And it's going to be moderated by Sylvia Mantella. Nice. And tickets are available at youforchange.org, U-F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G.E.org. Amazing. Um, yeah. And um, I know a little bit about You for Change, but for people sure. listening who do, don't know about yep. them, do you want to tell us what it yeah. is? Yeah. So You for Change is a nonprofit based in Toronto. So it's an arts-based um, organization that teaches skills in the arts to um, at-risk newcomer youth to Canada um, and we have a number of programs um, it, one of the founders was is um, my business partner Chalo back in 2009 oh, nice. so I've been a mentor with them since 2009 teaching the fashion design workshop excellent yeah. Yeah. that's great um, and quickly before I let you go uh, tell me about your favorite footwear that you brought here today uh, okay so I brought a <laughs> pair of like gold Cuban heel boots um, I think I got them in 2017. Um, they were a birthday present from my boyfriend, Mike. Um, I re- did some research and I found a boot maker out of LA that does custom boots and I sent him my measurements and then he sent me these gold, gold boots. Wow. Yeah, this is what I wanted. So, so they're totally custom. They're totally custom, yeah. Love that. Yeah, thanks. Um, and do, 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 oh, one piece of advice uh, to somebody walking a similar path to you. Yeah, so um, work really hard. <laughs> yeah. that's good I nobody's given me that one yet yeah I think working I think there's a lot of hard work and a lot of that isn't necessarily shown on social media and it's not glamorous so people don't really want to show that side of um, their their journey but you know especially in fashion it's I would say it's like 99% hard work and 1% of glamour totally yeah I mean if you love what you do it's going to be fun regardless but yeah. be prepared to put in the work um, to get to where you want to get 
Yeah. Or okay. go. Yeah. yeah, totally. Great. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so that's it for this episode, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow uh, Christopher uh, on Instagram at Christopher Ponil. So it's Christopher spelled uh, the P-H way and then P-A-U-N-I-L. Uh, you guys can obviously also follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you like my podcast, if you could please give it a five-star review, I would be very, very grateful. Um, and that's it. Have a good week, guys, and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. Thank you.